I feel silly. That's what I should say. I feel silly. <laughs> I can't wait to figure out what TV show this yeah, is going to be. I'm not going to say it because okay. I don't want to pay any royalties here. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag cheap podcast. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, uh, please don't use that hashtag with us, please. Edit, edit. <laughs> Cheap in production. Not no, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. <laughs> Today we're going to talk a bit about grief. Before we do, I want to invite you all to be sharing this podcast with your friends and join us on our Facebook group to get some exclusive content from us hosts and to connect with other listeners. You can find it at facebook.com slash groups slash it's okay podcast. Okay, so talking about grief. So the editor of the Best Times magazine, that's the Johnson County government magazine that goes to residents 60 and older reached out to me to to write about grief. And so thinking particularly about the 60-plus crowd of, of our county, uh, what might be some signs, how that might be experienced and things. And so I sat down with Liz Worth, who is the director of adult services here at Johnson County Mental Health Center. And I'll tell you what, we just sat and talked about grief in my office for, I don't know, 45 minutes. And it, it was one of the most astounding and rewarding processes I've ever had writing an article. And then after we got that done, I wrote this up, and it's out in best times in winter 2020. But just that experience of talking through how people experience grief, there was, there was something that just, like, was moving about, about that process. I know in episode two, it was our episode around suicide prevention, mm-hmm. we talked about grief after uh, death by suicide and i remember renee you mentioned that when we talk about grief we rarely are really talking about the stages of grief anymore i wonder if we might start there about stages of grief and where we've Mm -hmm. moved from there but then just kind of reflect on what grief is like as we experience that how we might see in other people how we might respond to somebody experiencing grief um i just hoped we can kind of recreate that experience i had with uh, Liz in that writing process. Those are big shoes to fill, Keith. Liz yeah. Worth is amazing. Yeah. Thanks, Liz, for sparking such a great convo. <laughs> um, so it, it is a theory or a theorist that came up with the five stages of grief. I think it became really just societally acceptable uh, and welcomed kind of with open arms to have a framework to talk about grief or yeah. accept grief in. And so while I'm I'm not mad at that at all. I think it gives us the doorway in. Um, I don't think it exists as structurally sound as maybe we thought it, it did at one point in time. And so the five stages that it's not as structurally sound as this theorist uh, proclaimed it to be. So if I, I just want to remind our listeners that the five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. In no way, shape, or form am I saying that you can't feel those things. It's just not as linear as this. I don't believe it is as linear as this theory claims it to be. So the theory is, right, you move through these five stages, phases of grief in this order. And then you end in acceptance. Correct. (laughs) Correct. Uh, And there's, you know, there's the big... um, 
again, in my just my line of work, that it, it usually is over 18 months. These these stages and phases come about. You've lived through every milestone at least once. You've lived through every anniversary at least once. And again, I think all of all of that structure around grief, I think, is just kind of getting um, washed away, if you will, because we know that there's just it's such a personal thing. Grief mm-hmm. is so personal and everyone really experiences it differently. So I, I'm excited that. Um, this theory and theorist gave us something to talk about so yeah. that we can truly talk about either how we are experiencing something like he suggests or, or, or we're not. And it's okay to talk about that. Yeah. I'm excited to dive into this before we do. Let's uh, stop for our disclaimer. The views and opinions of this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Johnson County mental health center or Johnson County government. I think that one of the things that is, that is so true about this is that it does give us language to talk about grief. And I, I think that any time when you have a difficult subject that is hard to talk about, hard to express what you're thinking or feeling about it, hard to identify pieces of it, that when someone comes along and provides language that resonates what, with what you're experiencing in any way, shape, or form, you just latch on to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we also, even way back in Episode 2, talked about how you can literally be experiencing all of those stages at exactly the same time, and that can be completely normal. Yes. It doesn't mm-hmm. – it's it's not the linear experience. It, correct. Or it, it can be, but for most yes. it's not. <laughs> and and it's, it doesn't have to be a I've moved through this and I will never experience bargaining again. I yeah. will never experience anger again. Um, right. That it, you can ping pong throughout different um, emotions, different feelings – and that is your grief. Yeah. It's it's really I would like to talk about grief in the sense of it is my personal way of moving through the feelings that I'm experiencing. Yeah. Right. While still loving and honoring uh, paying tribute to someone that is a loved one to me, but also recognizing, too, there are people um and I think this is the tough part in grief to talk about that there can be also positive feelings there can be joy there can be relief um and so i I don't know i hope that comes up somewhere in some space that no emotion is off limits Mm -hmm. none yeah you think about the times when people experience loss and and that loss has in some ways been a long time coming and so there's a, a caretaker or a family member maybe who's been taking care of a person for a long time and their whole life their whole time has been dedicated to that person and then when that person finally passes, there is there's sometimes that desire, I'm going to go on vacation. And that is how I'm going to grieve because now I can breathe. Sure. Now I can enjoy this and not yeah. feel like, not feel guilt for being away from my loved one. Yep. Yeah. And that is a totally fine way to, to process that. Ab- abs- absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think there's also, um, I think the caregiver role is makes grief profoundly complex uh, and, and, and different, right? Very different yeah. than five simple stages, quite honestly. I also think, too, when you've walked along, um, walked alongside someone through their pain and then it's over, um, I think that has a different – I have a different way of emotionally expressing myself through that grief because I'm going, at the end of the day, I don't believe they're hurting. And I don't like to see people hurt. That's really hard for me. And, it, and I carry that weight of emotion. Um, and so I, 
letting go of that can be a bit cathartic. Yeah. Um, but it, it can also feel like, gosh, am I am I letting go of them? No, I'm letting go of the the feeling, the weighing down on me. Um, the, the the hospice association of America. I don't know if I'm doing that justice. I apologize if I'm I'm misspeaking. But there was a, a sweet segment just on their website that I found that said like don't don't sell yourself short um, in thinking like you're doing better than you should be. Mm. Like don't do that. Don't because you desire to go on a vacation or because you desire or because you feel relief or joy. Don't count yourself out or down because you feel better than you think you should be in the moment experience what you're experiencing and feel and that's okay i think that's it's tough to talk about sometimes especially if maybe we're with loved ones and we are demonstrating our grief differently that's a big one because as i'm hearing you talk i'm like thinking back to like my own history and family dynamics and the importance of letting yourself grieve how you grieve, but also letting other people do the same Yes, and not passing your judgment on that. Like right. I'm like, right. He, as you're talking, I'm hearing my dad and I, I'm someone who holds on way longer than I would say than you're supposed to, but then that's again, putting on those norms. Right. But right. the example that comes immediately to mind for, is when I lost my um, first grandpa when I was nine years old, it's been a number of years since that. And I still will go through times now where I cannot let go as if it happened last year. Mm. Yeah. And at all, like don't make changes to things that he had been involved in. Don't nothing. Whereas my dad will has an approach of, you know, they're in a better place. You know, you need to live life. That's what they would want for you kind of a thing. And I would almost sometimes hold that resentment against him of, well, why why can you think that? Why aren't you sad? And showing your sadness the way I do, which is sit and cry ugly tears, but because it's not shown the same way, I would put that judgment on him. And as I'm hearing you talk, I just have to share my own vulnerability and say people don't do what I'm saying that I I do because it you don't know what they're showing outside of that one space you know you know yeah. so I think, I think it's human it's so yes. human Kate. yeah i appreciate I think you so saying hard it too yeah. because i the more and more i learning about grief and the way people grieve the more i'm realizing and understanding that it's so different from every person yes and there i don't know that there's anything that's quite like that I mean, think about the other things that we experience as humans. You know, think about joy or sadness or all these different things. And there's certain body language and actions that you and behaviors that you would associate that. But with grief, it's just so broad. Yeah. And, and you could ex- literally be mm-hmm. thinking about these wonderful memories and have a smile on your face and be crying in deep sadness at exactly the same time. Yeah. And it's so confusing uh, when you're experiencing it or seeing someone else experience I, I, it. Again, I love the two sides of this. It is confusing for ourselves going through it, and it's confusing watching others do it or having others watch us. Judgment yeah. can just go in, in in both directions, and I hope this conversation, again, just allows people to be more um, in tune and insightful and, and, and perhaps open-minded to how 
you are grieving and how you allow others to do the same. Well, gosh, we're seven minutes in roughly probably for this. And I'm already sitting right. Oh, ooh, I need yeah. to be more, <laughs> more aware just in, you know, we're just getting started. So yeah. I want to thank both of you for already as someone sitting in the room. I've already had that, you know, aha moment of, wow, what am I doing Mm. personally and with others and how does that make them feel so i want to say thank you to both of you for helping raise that awareness so i appreciate it your thanks for the insight right i mean you being an insightful person i'm sitting here going okay i can think back to people i have lost in my life in different ways and what would I like to do differently next time? But guys, I can plan and plan and plan and plan. How do I want to respond? How yeah. do I want to give space and grace to others? And when I lose someone to death next in my life, I'm just going to respond the way that my, my body's going to respond. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and to be mindful in that moment is hard sometimes. Um, there's no script, no book. There's no script to this. And, yeah. and, and if I could, I know we're talking about the the differences of individuals i also want to talk about because keith you brought up this magazine is really targeted for a specific age range right yeah age range yep just to throw that that out there folks in different phases of their life also are are, could look different so i really want to kind of talk about um maybe folks that are that are um again 60 60 plus i don't know if i would necessarily put that that bookend on it, but folks that are you know nearing a typical end of life, um, someone who is maybe right smack in the middle middle of that, and then also talking about our youngsters, yeah, um, kiddos who guys we know our brain is developing into our early twenties. That is scientific fact. Um, so I guarantee that folks younger than early twenties experiencing grief. Will, will experience and display that differently, right? Mm-hmm. As they grow and learn and develop, yeah. we have to know that as adults as well. Yeah, I've I've had some really interesting conversations with my kids, um, all you know, twenty seven of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag uh, listen to other episodes. So I lost my my grandfather a few months ago, and it's been really interesting having these conversations about grief myself and thinking back through that experience, but then also the conversations I've been having with my kids and then the times in which they are thinking about it has always been very surprising to me. In fact, it was just a few weeks ago and and we're months past um, funeral and everything. Uh, My three-year-old had come into our room in the middle of the night at some point, which is, you know, typical and was sleeping on our floor and we started talking about uh, my grandpa who, whom he barely knew because we don't live close and about death and why why do you have to die? And I don't even remember the specific questions, but it was just so surprising that months after that experience of going to this funeral and this graveside service, that he was still processing what that meant himself. Yeah. And him processing death is probably slightly different than grief, generally speaking, but there's still like those ties about how like there's all these new categories that he had never new categories of experience of life that he had never experienced before that point and didn't know where to put those in his brain and what to do with those. And so just asking questions that he wasn't even sure really what he was asking. Well, it's like he was, I mean, again, kids ask why. Yeah. 
I think. And adults ask why. Yes, that, <laughs> yeah. that is the most, I think, kind of, we, yeah. we go back to that childlike why when it comes to death. Why? Why now? Why this person? Yeah. Why? Yeah. And so I love the reference to the three-year-old asking why processing because, guys, it didn't go away. Yeah. It it, ju- it just doesn't it would, go weeks away. Weeks and months later, it's still coming to mind. And my, yes. All my kids have have come back to that at some at some point since then of just like asking questions. And then for them, it was a different experience um, to see me cry in the way that I did when my grandpa died. Sure, it's not that they don't ever see me cry, but they don't see me cry like that. Yeah, and uh, and so they they had to figure out what do we do when dad is this sad, mm-hmm. um, and just. That's just an experience we had together. We had, and then I had to talk about it because I work at Johnson County Mental Health Center, and we talk about our emotions. And so I had to tell what? them, yes, what? <laughs> I had to tell them that I was very sad, and it's okay. Like both those things were true. Yes, I'm really sad, and it's okay. And um, can I say thank you for being willing to share that with us, as well as to share that vulnerability with your kids? Yes. Because yes. sometimes, whether it's a mom or a dad or whatever role you're in, there can be a sense of I have to be that rock and I have mm-hmm. to show, quote, strength and that stereotypical strength means I don't show emotions. Yeah. And I personally believe it's the flip side, that that strength is when you can show people what you're truly feeling. And it's been interesting, you know, go back to stages of grief. I could not go back to a single minute of time and say I was in that stage <laughs> right. at this time ever in the midst of that. And a lot of my processing was thinking about th- parts of my life and my relationships with the family that had nothing to do with my grandpa at all. Yeah. But it just I, – that's where my brain space was, yeah. and that's how I processed it. And I found myself doubting – Decisions I would be making about unrelated things, thinking, am I just making this decision about this other relationship over here because I'm grieving about my grandpa? You know, like, and so, like, just how complex that was for months. And there's still, you know, I, I'm having less of those moments on a regular basis, but there's still moments I come back to some of those thoughts and some of those feelings. And um, just just how much that, that fact of it's different for everybody just resonates with that experience that, that I've just so recently had. This is in, in no way, shape or form to, to take away from that. Uh, yeah, your no, example, no, please. I, I just watch a TV episode. Okay. And I feel silly that this is where my mind went in that moment of your, again, super insightful. I appreciate your story. So the episode, um, an hour long drama, if you will, and uh, it revolved around three main characters, one who had lost a very significant person in their life, and the other two were desperately trying to make the best space for that person to grieve and invite them to grieve. And like um, none of life that resolves in 60 minutes with commercial breaks. Okay, ha, ha, ha. Um, The most profound moment was the two individuals who were trying to make the space uh, because that person wasn't grieving in the way that they thought they should, right at the end of the episode, they were able to say out loud, wow, he is grieving. We were just not looking for it. We, we weren't allowing him to do it his way. And again, that is so silly to think of a, a TV episode. Um, sometimes I, I need to pull away from it personally, yeah. right, to be able to kind of ingest some of this stuff. But that was the best picture of me. This person actually um, started committing themselves at work a little more. 
So mm. you're kind of being a little more productive at work, starting yeah. some new projects, getting involved in, in some things. And everyone around him was going, whoa, dude, time out. About yes, this. You're, you're not yeah. grieving and, and really not to his face either. So that was kind of the cruddy part. And then finally, the, the big picture aha moment was, yeah, he is. Um, and so it did. It just brought me back. This is that was not right. It wasn't planned. I had no clue when I watched that episode that we would be talking about this on this episode right. of the podcast. Uh, so how cool how life intersects as well. But for me to be reminded while I talk to people and work through my own grief and all these levels and depths and great um, summed up in a nice little 60 minute episode is cut it out, Renee. Do not judge how other people grieve and do not judge yourself in how you grieve. Let it happen and it's okay. Mm. Support uh, one another as we do this. And literally, and I want to say it's okay as long as you are not hurting yourself or someone else. Okay? Right. Right? Because grief can be uh, debilitating. I know I probably said that in a couple episodes about emotions. But uh, when grief um, comes up against... Um, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my home. I might uh, be losing some of my health or health care. I, I would really encourage someone to reach out for some assistance. That's, I was going to yeah. ask that. Support. Like, so what? Yeah. So we want to affirm that grief comes and is experienced in complex and yeah. different ways for folks, and it is okay to experience grief. It is okay to be sad. What's the point where? I should be worried for myself or somebody else. You started it. There's harm, some functional impairments of some kind. So work, yeah. school, um, those things are, are falling. Um, are there other warning signs we should look at when, it, when it's moved beyond um, uh, that realm of normalization and grief and it's now into something that's more concerning? I, I, I think it's hard for me to answer that outside of the, again, Looking at harm, uh, looking at functional impairment, and again, being cautious if I'm putting my judgments on someone's functional impairment, they might be extremely ready to lose a job over it, and that's okay, right? That doesn't impact their life as it might mine, and that's okay. But it's taking an inventory of that, because what I don't want to do is, um, if their grief is three years, it's three years. Yeah. If it's three months, it's it's three months. So I would, um, I would tend to not try to assess or, or find other risk factors if I feel that there's um, safe behaviors to self and others and safe functioning. Um, because also, too, um, I think, uh, you know, culture, religion, family of origin, all of these things can oh, play yeah. into yep. maybe how you grieve, how you've, how you've been taught to grieve, right? How your, how your family models that. Going back to you, Keith, great job. Talk to your kids, model. We're going to ask why forever and ever and ever yeah. and ever. He's using, your kids are using all of these experiences to make their own decision one day of how do I, how do, I do this the best for me? Grief is complex or grief can be simple. So it really is being mindful of yourself, working on insight, reaching out when you need help. Um, also, I don't know if you guys f- find this, but I was as, as we're all sharing our stories the cliche statements that we make to other people around the time of grief is something that just me as a as uh, person, Renee, right? No, yeah. no Johnson County. Go back to Keith's disclaimer, okay? I would rather a hug or a handshake or a high five 
and the phrase, I don't know what to say to you right now, Renee, rather than they're in a better place. What if I don't believe that? Yeah. Right. At least their pain has stopped. Again, what if I don't believe that? So I think sometimes we um, respond to other people for our own grief, not for theirs. And just encourage folks to be mindful of that. Not using the word at least like that is just cringeworthy, (laughs) just cringeworthy. Back to Renee's point with, well, at least he's in a better place because then that shows you this. Okay, I'm not supposed to feel the way I'm feeling. Because if you are, if I'm truly reaching out to Kate, right, to console, I need to say to Kate, how can I help? And mean it. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Oh, and absolutely mean yeah. it. Instead of giving her my, mm. oh, at least at least they're out of pain. What, I mean, I really just prescribed to you how you should feel right now. Yeah. And right. that is, uh, you know, the, the, the mental comparison game um, becomes super detrimental in, in that space. Um, so, right, say what you mean. You Always, that is a life mantra. <laughs> there you go. Grief or not, say what you mean, please. Uh, mean what you say, don't be mean. There you go. But in this, in you know, in the space of grief, um, are you saying some? Are you saying something to the other person to mitigate your grief or their grief, and really be mindful of that? No matter what you say, you're not going to be able to take that pain away, right. and you have to be okay and comfortable with that, right. knowing that you can't do that. So I always cringe, and I have been guilty of this. So I'm saying this because I'm going to be human. The, you know, given everything, how are you? Well, how do you think I'm doing? Right. You know, it's like, right. oh, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it's just being there in that moment and being there more than just, I always say when there's been a, a loss, reach out two months, three months after, because that first initial, you know, week, a couple of days, even a month after there's, you know, the meal trains and all kinds right. of things going on. And I know with both of my grandmas, you know, seeing it play out where it's the months that follow that when people start, everyone else around you starts to get into the new normal routine. And then the person who has experienced that loss is still trying to fathom what has happened for everyone else like it normally was and this person's not here anymore. Yeah. yeah. And then there's not that support's not there because it's been yeah. a month after. So people start stop reaching out. And so to genuinely keep that conversation going and use names like yeah. they were yeah. they meant something to you Absolutely. Say, and lived a, a life. Right. Yeah. We're, we're here and are now not. And right, yeah, to give them a name to talk in yeah. present past tense. It's OK. It's, yeah. it's, it's perfectly wonderful to do yeah. that. Accepting. Yeah. I want to acknowledge something that you were just saying about, you know, you have that support right up front and then there's time that goes after. And I think that. Uh, and, and Liz and I talked about this in our article. The first time you experience some significant life moment after losing somebody, all of those firsts can be really difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, first grandchild is born. Yeah. First kid graduates from high school. First, It's the first fall and someone has to clean out the gutters. Right. And my loved one used to do that. And now I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Right. Like all of those it's it, just be mindful of your your friends and relatives who've lost somebody on those firsts. Mm-hmm. But then also, if, if that's you it, experiencing those firsts, just also having hope that each first builds on the other. And so the first time you experience this makes the next one a little bit easier maybe to experience. They just, they're hard. They're hard. 
but each time you're just a little bit better equipped to know that next one, that next one, that next one. Especially if you make the promise to yourself to continue to be insightful, to continue to be mindful. How am I feeling right now in this moment? Birthdays, anniversaries, wedding anniversaries. Um, If you celebrate holidays, that can be be difficult as you um, go through each one of the ones that you celebrated with your significant other or family member or friend uh, without that person, right? So all of those things exist. Isn't it right if I share again another kind of tidbit from from hospice that I got that I that I yeah, hope I thought you were going to say that TV show, but well, I mean that too because I really <laughs> I really enjoy my TV dramas, um, and they usually give me a lot of life lessons. Yeah, I am not saying that facetiously either. <laughs> I know it. I, I, yeah. I love my like. Oh man, I should know that. Oh man, better, but... all the little cheesy kids shows that my kids watch, <laughs> I find myself crying over those more than anything oh, I would choose yep. to watch because they got every time. Like, yes. Yeah, every time. So. <laughs> Life lessons. Totally. Uh. <laughs> um, so this was just one of the things that I was I was thinking about this episode, thinking about grief, um, and just kind of found myself uh, just reading through some information on, gosh, Renee, how do you talk about this um, professionally and and personally? How do I find yeah. a good balance yep. in that? Um, and I I really found this this sweet space about kind of the rule of the three C's: choose, communicate, and compromise. When it comes to how do I navigate a big event? Is that a holiday? Is that a wedding? Is that a celebration of some sort? How do I do that? And it was giving you permission to choose, communicate, and compromise. Choose the people you want to be around. Choose the events you want to attend. That is your choice and yours alone. And that's okay. The second C is communicate. Communicate to others what you might need. Um, Communicate to uh yourself how you might want to honor um that the loved one that's no longer here anymore during that event or holiday i just affirm right there that that can be really hard right i mean like uh, both those communicating to yourself yeah communicating to another person what you need because sometimes you just don't know exactly something's wrong yeah no someone's gone absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely agree and being able to say Right now, guys, I'm going to show up. I don't know how long I will stay. And that is okay. And that's a communication. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And then to compromise, which which I think kind of I just gave an example of in that in that communication. Go and leave yourself an exit strategy. Right. Um, Maybe. So a lot of the times, you know, it's it's leave um, maybe in your personal space, you would leave memorabilia of your loved one and then you would go enter into a bigger space event uh, holiday expression of that and so i I just i I loved that and this will probably be just something that i i choose to bring into my life a little more is the, the choose communicate compromise i'll add one on to that and say that it's also okay to let go yeah, and that is wow. even just saying that causes me some discomfort and so i'm sure it will for listeners as well so hear me out before you turn this off letting go doesn't mean you're letting go of the person and that you can make a new normal that is happy and healthy and still involve that individual just in a different way because even if they're not there with you in that present moment they can be there with you in other ways and i'm saying that as someone who still hasn't figured out how to let go. Like I said, both of my grandpas are no longer with me and they had 
more impact in my life than I could ever even thank them for. And so I haven't figured out how to let go. But I've seen my family around be able to let go and have new traditions and meld those with old traditions. And you can see them enjoying those times more so because they've been able to embrace the family and the new traditions and still bring that loved one into it just in a different way and see them learn and grow from it. And so I just have to just validate and say, if you are struggling to feel like by letting go, you're being selfish or that you're showing that person that you don't love them anymore, that's not the case. It's just setting healthy boundaries and you're creating your new normal with that individual who is no longer with you because they can still be very much involved just in a different way. Kate, I want to validate you as well that just because I'm going to use your phrase, let go, just because you're not letting go at the same um, pace or time frame as other family members, it's okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You'll, you'll yeah. find that way in that space. And that's just the most important um, family, family dynamics can be tough. Okay. Yeah. Family dynamics yep. can be super rewarding. Family dynamics can be really tough. And both at the same time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then put grief in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, nobody has the answer. We're all the three-year-old asking why. Um, I think that's always going to be there around grief because yeah. we don't. Um, it's, not, it's not black or white, guys. There's not this this perfect answer. So we ask why. It's okay that we ask why differently with every different yep. loss or every different moment of grief that we have. Um, and it's okay to find our own answers in our own space and time. And we also need to give that to others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want us to do our wrap-up statements here a second. I want to tell one more story, and that will give you both a chance to think of your wrap-up statement. I'll Perfect. <laughs> I was. This is a memory I, I haven't. I, I haven't thought of in a long time. It's probably ten years ago. I was a pastor, and one of your roles as a pastor is officiating funeral services. And I remember. I've, I actually have only ever done one. I will always remember what it was like to sit with that family around their kitchen table and have them tell me about their loved one that they had lost that I had never met. Mm-hmm. Probably some of the greatest joy. I've mm-hmm. ever experienced. Yeah. Most meaningful, just sitting with folks and hearing them talk. However, the good and the bad, the like the, these are the quirks. These are how he was really rigid and, you know, and cranky and, and, and all of these things. And just, and, and those family members all dealing with their loss differently and just being in the midst of that. And then being able to retell those stories at the funeral service to everybody else who was there. Uh, one of the greatest honors I think that I ever had from when I was pastor that was just to be invited into life in that way. Yeah. So I think my wrap up statement, I, I just can't overstate how much it's okay that we all experience grief differently. And it's yeah. so crazy and wild, oh, man, just like how complex it is and how you can feel multiple emotions at the same time. And they go back and forth and all over the place and how all of that is completely okay. I'm going to go back to the beginning of the episode. I think it was one of the first things that I shared and that is don't cut yourself down for doing better than you think you should be doing. If I take away, I would say that goes along with both of yours is the importance of letting others grieve the way that they need to grieve as well. Yeah. And the power of giving grace in that. 
I'm Keith. I'm Kate. I'm Renee. And it's okay if you're not okay.